Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. On Sunday, we continued our series in the book of James, and so join us for week five as we hear what James has to say about listening, speaking, and our anger. So I got a bunch of props this morning. Some of them are for after service, like the ball. Some of them are for the message, like this piece of wood right here. And so I bet you you're anxiously anticipating what this wood could be used for besides smacking some people upside the head, right? Because, I mean, that's a <laughs> some, of, some of you want to see some people get smacked upside the head this morning. Is that what the, the applause was for? Um, but anyway, so good morning once again. Welcome to FAM Church. And thank you, Jesus, that we did not lose power this morning. Okay. The first time in three weeks that we didn't lose power either in the middle of service or in the middle of our practice uh, uh, earlier uh, in the service. And uh, I wrote that in faith in my message when I was preparing the intro, believing that God was going to make sure our power stayed on today, and uh, he came through. Um, We are continuing our study this morning uh, in the book of James, and uh, we're going to be finishing up chapter 1 today, and we're going to be reading verses 19 through 27. And I got to say, this message once again has the high potential to offend people in here. So I just want to once again prepare you for that because there are a couple of sacred Christian cows that may get tackled in this message as James deals with what he is talking about. And so if you've missed any of the previous messages except for the week when the power went out, um, you can find those uh, on the Fam Church app or you can subscribe via a uh, podcast listening uh, app such as Overcast, which is the one I use. And if you're sitting there saying, I don't know what any of that means, would you please speak English, come to me after service, and I'll show you what I mean by all of that, what I just said, uh, in order to listen to the message. So, speaking of listening, how many of you would classify yourself as listeners? Any listeners in the day, or in the house today? You love listening intently as people talk to you. You focus on every word. You break down the meaning and possibility and potential of every single word in a sentence that somebody speaks. How many of us are that person? Yeah, not too many of us. Yeah, a couple of hands went up. But most of us don't do that, do we? We hear what's being said, but we generally don't listen to what's being said. And I have to admit, sometimes I zone out when people are talking to me. If you've got this really long story with a lot of details in it that are completely irrelevant to the point of the story, I mentally check out, okay? Way back in your story over here, I I check out someplace, okay? And I sometimes find myself having to grab my brain and pull it back into the conversation. And then there's even some of us in here who have really short attention spans, right? Who's our, okay, we've got, we got kids pointing out their mother in here. All right. See, what happened, what, I mean, think about it. Okay, you've got, I, I'm, I'm really bad with this. It's like if I'm talking to you and something sparkles over here, I am out of whatever conversation we're having and I'm looking at the sparkly, shiny thing that I catch out of the corner of my eye. 
You know, I hate, the, I hate being in restaurants with people because every person that walks by, I got to scope them out to make sure they're not shady. You know what I mean? And so it's like everyone walks through the door, they walk down whatever we're sitting in, and I always got to look at them. And so if you're at a restaurant with me, you're going to see me doing this the whole time. Every time somebody walks by, even the waitress, because I see it out of the corner of my eye, it distracts me, and it pulls me away. Okay. So, there is a difference between listening and hearing, and so that's where I want to start off this morning. I want to explore that for, this, for a second. What is hearing? Hearing is simply the act of perceiving sound by your ear. And if you're not hearing impaired, this just happens, okay? Our ears do it passively. We're driving down the road, and we're just cruising along, and all of a sudden, our ears pick up the sound of a siren or a, a car horn honking, you know? We're not especially tuned in to try and, and hear those things, but yet here we are. When the sound comes, it hits our ears, and it catches us. That's hearing, is it? Hearing the sound. Some of you are out there right now, and you're hearing me speak. You may not be listening to what I'm saying, but you are hearing these words pass by your ears as you sit there on Facebook, Instagram, or some other form of entertainment on your phone. Listening, however, is something you consciously choose to do. See, listening requires concentration so that your brain is able to process the meaning from the words in sentences. And we experience the difference all the time in our lives, don't we? Men, how many of you hear your wife say... The garbage is full, it needs to go out. We hear those words, right? But we don't always listen to those words, do we? We don't get up from our game and immediately head to the kitchen to take the trash out. Those of us that have children, you see this on display all the time. Clean your room, clean the bathroom, do your homework, turn off the TV, put the video game controller down, and I could go on. Our kids hear us say those words, right? But most of the time when we speak those words to our kids, it doesn't lead to action because we see no movement, response, or anything from them. Now you guys are all seeming stunned by this, so maybe my kids are just worse than your kids and your kids listen every time you speak. My dad had this legendary story in our family, and you guys are not going to find this funny, but me and my brothers, my brother and my sisters, we find it hilarious because this was my dad's go-to story, okay? Every time one of us would not listen, okay, we would, we would hear him tell this very story that I'm going to tell you. It's very short, and it's become so legendary that when, my, when I get together with my brothers and our, my sisters, we talk about this story. And it's just so weird because it's not really that big of a deal. It's not that funny, but the story goes like this. One day, my sister Jenny and I, we were riding our bikes down the street. And as we were coming down the street, there was this intersection that came into our road, kind of like this coming up here and this coming down here. And uh, there was a car coming up this way. And with the houses along the road, we couldn't see the car coming. And so as my sister and I are pedaling along this way, my dad's standing in the driveway driveway over here sees this car coming and so he yells at us stop I stopped my bike when he said stop meanwhile my sister Jenny just kept pedaling on going along all the way up until she came to a complete stop right in front of my dad Okay, And so my dad, since that day, when we were about four years old, he has used this story to continually illustrate what, we, what happens. Because we Jenny could have died. That car could have blown that stop sign, ran her over and killed her. And if, we do, if she would have just listened, we wouldn't have even been in that situation or predicament. Well, in our text this morning, this is the challenge that James is putting before us. He talks about listening and hearing. 
When he talks about it, though, it's way more than just listening to people. And so let's head into the text. If you don't know where James is at or don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me for you to follow along. We're reading verses 19 through 27 in chapter 1 of James, and this is what it says. Can somebody do me a favor? Whoever's got keys to my office uh, in here, could you run in and grab one of my waters um, out of the, <clears throat> off of the side there? Because uh, I'm losing my voice very quickly, and uh, I can't drink the cold ones. They make me cold. All right. So it'll be on the screen behind me if you want to follow along. This is what James uh, 9, 1, 19 through 27 says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, thanks Roy, uh, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on, their rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right, so at first glance, let me take a drink of this first, sorry. All right, so at first glance, uh, it may not appear, appear that all of these verses are connected together as they seem to cover a couple of different topics. First, James talks about listening, hearing, and our anger. Then he talks about doing what the Word of God tells us to do, and then ends with talking about controlling our tongue. But there is a connection between all of this, and so that's what we're going to explore this morning. And so James starts off with saying that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, we could probably just stop right here at this point in this text and spend the next 30 minutes or so breaking down what that means. Why? Because we live in a country that on the contrary to those things is quick to speak, slow to listen, and really quick to become angry. I mean, anybody at the slightest sign of disrespect, quote-unquote, I still don't know exactly what that means, but at the slightest sign of disrespect, people get angry, they get upset, they get mad, and, and it's just crazy. And for some people, anger has literally become a way of life. It's how they live their life. It's how they do everything because they found that if they can get really angry in situations and circumstances, that that will allow them to take control of those situations and circumstances, and people will bow down and cower to them when their anger comes out. Not only that, but we look for things to be angry at in today's world, don't we? I mean, people literally spend hours combing the internet to find news and information and something to be offended and ticked off at. When I first got to this church, our first-time guests, we would mail them a Walmart card in the mail. We now send McDonald's cards, but we used to send a Walmart card, a $5 Walmart gift card. It was close by, you know, everybody in Mulberry knew where Walmart was at. People literally got mad at me for sending them a Walmart gift card. 
They thought I was making a statement about who they were or their class, uh, their, their social class in this country. And I was just like, serious? One couple said to me, do we look like Walmart shoppers? I was just like, what? Who doesn't go to Walmart these days? I mean, really. But see, I was like that before I gave my life to Christ. Okay, I was a different person when I was not a Christian. I was quick to speak, I was slow to listen, and I could get angry really quick. See, I was the person that had a sarcastic answer for every question, comment, or thought that was put out there. Does anybody relate to that? Okay, see, I had some of my friends tell me, they would say, oh, you're so funny, you're so sarcastic. I always felt that that was cold or code for you're such a donkey, if you know what I mean by that. But I always had a response. I was always thinking, waiting for, to respond to people. Whenever they would communicate, I never would listen to what they say. And man, I just had anger sitting there, seething underneath the surface. Stuff would just set me off. It would tick me off. My, my anger would sometimes embarrass my friends. I wasn't going to tell this story, but we got so much time, I'm going to tell this story, okay? So one time, me and my friends, I was like 18, 19, and there was three of us living together in this apartment. Um, yeah, kids used to move out of their house before they were 30. Um, just, there was that day, okay? Um, so we're 18 or 19, and uh, we needed a new telephone. And so we were at a Target, and uh, they had all their telephone, the section of telephones on sale, okay? And so I, I walked up, and, and it was really cheap, 1990. I'm like, man, this phone is sweet, 1999. And so I grabbed the phone, and I headed up to the register, and it rang up 59.99. And I said, no, that was on a rack that said 1999. And the, the lady's like, I'm sorry, that's not one of the phones that were on sale. Somebody must have put that there. And so I just went off on this lady working at Target, checking me out. I mean, I, I yelled at her. I cursed at her. I did all kinds of crazy stuff to her. And my friends that are with me are just like, and this was in the day when we were smoking weed, we were drinking, we were partying. And so they were embarrassed by that behavior, okay? And, and it's just, that's who I was. Now, I still think sarcastic thoughts, but I don't speak them with my mouth, okay? But Jesus came in, and he changed, and he transformed me, and took a lot of that out of me. But for some people who have been following Jesus for a long time, they are still quick to speak, slow to listen, and really quick to get angry. And I think the reason that we struggle with those things is because practicing those things in our life involves self-control. And self-control is hard, and we try to avoid things that are hard. Plus, we live in a society that places very little value on self-control. I mean, that's what advertising is about. It's to get us to get past our self-control and to spend money on stuff that we don't need. And because our culture is like that, we feel free to live like that in the church. And then we justify it by saying things like, that's just how I am. We had, we had this one friend uh, in one of our churches that we were at. Uh, she, was, uh, um, she, was, she, was, she had a really hot temper. And so whenever you'd say, dang, chill, she would, her response to that was always like, well, I'm German. That's just how I am. Okay, I get it. You've tried to take over the world multiple times. 
But that doesn't mean that you have to be like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm German, and I'm also Irish. That means Conor McGregor lives inside of me. If you don't know who Conor McGregor is, that boy's got some anger issues. And God still did a work in me to change that. So seriously, church, we need to get back, we need to once again get back to being quick to listen, slow to speak, because our inability to do those things is hurting us. Because we aren't able to have a discussion anymore with somebody who has a different view on life because we really don't want to listen to people to hear what they are saying, and instead we listen to them to get our response ready. What does that mean? As a general rule in a conversation, when we're discussing something, we usually will listen to what they say so we can come come back at them with a witty, a sharp, or an intelligent comment. And we especially do this with people that we disagree with. When they are speaking, we are waiting for them to finish because we want to say something to counter the point that they are making, even if our counterpoint doesn't make any sense. Okay? I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm always surprised that sometimes the counterpoint that people give you in certain situations, and you're saying to yourself, dude, that doesn't even make sense. What do you mean by that? But yet they're convinced that because they're not listening to what you're saying. I was giving a statistic to another pastor here in Mulberry yesterday, and and, uh, he just basically said, that's not true because of this. And I was like, the two aren't even related. What are you talking about? But, you know, we're listening to people when they disagree with our position on something. We will listen to them to try and come up with a response. Instead, we need to practice what the penguins of Madagascar practice and just smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. We need our tongues to be used less. See, just because somebody says something we disagree with doesn't mean that we need to jump in and set them straight, quote unquote. We can listen to them, let them speak, and keep our mouth closed all at the same time. Because here's the truth, okay? Your counter-argument is not going to change their mind, so why stress yourself out? When I was in college, we would have great debates on theological issues, stuff about God and the Bible all the time. And it always led to people yelling at each other. I finally said, I am not going to participate. One of my friends, Solomon, he would always try to pull me into these. And I'd just stop him and say, Solomon, I am not going there anymore because all it does is lead to an argument. So it's not worth my stress. See, being able to practice that quick to listen and slow to speak, we'll get rid of so many of the things that we get angry about. Now, I want to talk about anger here for just a minute because there's some misperceptions about anger. And the first thing is that anger is not a sin. In some Christian circles, that's what believed. You know, it's what's believed. You can't get angry at a person or situation because it's sinful. See, nowhere in all the books of the Bible does it state that. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that in our anger we are to not sin. Anger can lead to sin, but it is not sin itself. Because if it was, guess what? Jesus would have sinned. You may have heard this story before about Jesus, but one day he went into the temple and he found it the way he didn't like it. 
So did he walk in and go, hey, man, could you do me a favor, bro? Could you just take this table down and clean some of this stuff up? You know, it would really be a blessing if you did that. No, what did Jesus do? He walks in there, grabs some tables, starts throwing them around, gets a whip, starts whipping people. I mean, think about that, okay? That's how ticked off Jesus was, that he was throwing things around and whipping people in the temple. He went full throttle. He took it to 100. He was all extra. Man, was he ticked. But yet, he did not sin. See, there's a way to get mad and not sin. The problem is, is that we have not learned how to do that or even what that means to be angry and not sin. See, why did Jesus get angry in that situation that we just talked about? Jesus got angry because God's righteousness was violated. The righteousness of God basically means that if God says it's right, that means it is. If God says it's wrong, then it is. What is righteous anger? Righteous anger is being angry when what is right is declared as wrong and what is wrong is declared as right. See, that's why Jesus was mad because people were showing up to the temple. They were there to worship God. And they walked in the door and they found men and women who were trying to take advantage of those who had less income, less resources than your average person. And so they were in there trying to get as much money as they could from the poor. They were basically trying to steal from the poor by selling sacrifices at a very high cost. And that really made Jesus mad because it was creating a barrier for people to come into his presence. It was creating a wall where people would have to say, I can't afford the sacrifice, so I can't go in the temple. And this was done by other people who were supposedly there to help other believers worship. And so some light bulbs, may have gone, light bulbs may have gone off in your head and you're thinking, okay, so the anger that you are talking about is anger towards all the sin in the world and the people committing it. Yes and no. And so this is a place where I need you to listen and not just hear what I am saying. Yes, God is not happy with sin, but it's not the sin that we are thinking of. See, the sin that God gets angry at is not the sin of those who do not follow him. The sin that God gets angry at is the sin that is left undealt with in his people and in his church. See, when you look at the scriptures, when you read through the Old and New Testament, when God brings judgment upon a people, it's always the people, or almost always, his people, the Jews, the nation of Israel, that he would bring judgment upon. Because they weren't following him in the way that they are supposed to. And the best part about it was he would always bring a really wicked, sinful, evil nation to come and judge his people. We don't see God's anger being poured out throughout the pages of the Bible on a consistent basis to, on, on those who are far from him, to those who do not know him. I mean, think about Jesus. All of his harshest judgments were towards those who thought they had it all together when it came to, when it came to sin. He called the religious leaders a brood of vipers. He called the devout Jews hypocrites. Meanwhile, he gathered with those who were not following God and had compassion on them. He spent his time hanging out with the drunks, the cheats, the prostitutes, and the tax collectors. He didn't call them names. He didn't rebuke them. Instead, he had compassion towards them. 
Now, he didn't let them continue to go on in their sin, but he did it a different way than he handled it with the religious leaders. See, the religious leaders, he was all up in their face. With these guys, it was more gentle and compassionate, like the lady who was caught um, in the act of adultery and brought before Jesus to stone her. Jesus said, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Well, then when everybody went away because they realized that they had sinned, he said to the lady, look, you better stop sinning or things are going to get worse for you. But he handles them in a different way. But in the church, we do the opposite. See, we get angry at those who are far from God and are not doing anything to follow him. We look down on people who commit certain sins. We are bothered when sinners want laws that allow them to practice their sin, and we get even angrier when the majority of the nation celebrates with them when those things become okay. See, church, people who don't follow Jesus are going to act like people who don't follow Jesus. They aren't going to say, oh man, the Christians don't like all that, and so we just better stop doing that stuff. See, the majority of this country no longer believes in Jesus. We live in a country that no longer has a majority of people who are following Christ, but the followers of Christ are now in the minority. And so we have to stop getting mad at non-Christians for acting like non-Christians. So that's not what Jesus is calling us to get mad at. That's not what righteous anger looks looks like. Righteous anger looks more like this. It makes Jesus mad that we are more than willing to point out all the sin in the world, but unwilling to deal with our own. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, so I got some wood here. I can peel off a little speck of sawdust from the edge. Can you all see that? You can't? All right, well, let's, there there it's falling. Can you see it? Well, it's falling. All right, here's a plank. Can everybody see this? Oh, that's very good. Most of us, me included, are running around like this. We are running around, I don't know, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt myself. We're running around with this giant plank sticking out of our eye, okay? Meanwhile, this little speck that just kind of fell to the ground and I kind of lost track of where it went, we are looking at everybody else, finding that little tiny speck and making sure that we point it out. Meanwhile, we're running around like this out of our face and we can't even, we don't even pay attention, we don't even see, we don't even look at the fact that we've got something like this sticking out of our face. Jesus says, look, deal with your sin first. Deal with your plank first. Then worry about someone else. That's what made Jesus so mad when he walked the earth. His people, the Jews, were more than willing to point out the sin of the Romans, the government, and the people, but they're unwilling to deal with their own sin. See, our righteous anger needs to be focused on the planks that we continue to walk around with in our eye and on our bodies and in our lives because all of us have not gotten to a place of perfection yet and we still all have these planks floating around in our face, in our eyes, pulling us down. And can I tell you that one of the biggest issues that those who do not follow Jesus have with the church 
See, we call out the sin in other people's lives, but we brush over and cover up our own messes. Think of the scandal in the Catholic Church with boys being molested. Then not to be outdone, a few weeks ago, there was the uh, cover-up in the Southern Baptist churches were discovered with over 700 children being molested over a 20-year period. In the church, when we see a plank like this, what do we do with it? We see the plank and we think to ourselves, oh snap, we better hide this because if the world sees this, then that's going to cause problems for us. And so we'll go and we'll take it, we'll put makeup all over this thing so it just looks like it's part of our head, right? (laughs) We'll get a scarf and wrap the scarf around it and just say it's part of our outfit. But see, one day the makeup comes off and you got to pull the scarf off and eventually the plank that we're trying to hide is revealed to the rest of the world. What looks worse? A plank that you're trying to hide that's uncovered or a plank that you're saying to yourself, hey, look, man, I got this plank. I struggle with this. I I, I screw up sometimes. Help me to deal with this. What looks better? Doing the second one. All right, what time is it here? I know, just... uh, Another area that we need to think about this that's hurting the church is in the area of politics. We have to be consistent across the board in our beliefs when it comes to political candidates. I'm going to say a couple of things here, so hold on. I'm going to offend both Democrats and Republicans in the House, so, um, so just uh, if you're an independent, you're safe for right now. <laughs> if we think that Bill Clinton should be disqualified from serving as should have been disqualified from even being president because of the multiple affairs that he had, we need to hold Donald Trump to that same standard. If we think that Donald Trump should not be president because of all of the shady dealings that we see, then we should hold Hillary Clinton to that very same standard. We cannot pick and choose just because it's our person, just because it's our guy, just because it's our girl. Excuse things because when the world looks in at us and sees us living like that, they dismiss us because they say they're not living consistently. You know, it's okay for this person, but it's not okay for that person. No, we have to be consistent in dealing with planks and stands on moral issues. Sin is sin. And as the church, we need to be willing to call out sin, especially among us, first and foremost. We need to be willing to deal with our sin, our plank, and everything. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, but we do. You know, if we find out one of the leaders, if we find out you're having an affair, you're doing something sexually immoral, we're, we're not going to let you stay in leadership. We'll do something like with, about that. If we find out you're taking money from the church, you know, we'll deal with that. If someone has some issues with addictions and they're in leadership, we'll deal with that. See, I've said this many times, but the sin that God is most righteously angry about is the idolatry that we have allowed into the church. We have taken so many things and put them in first place before God in our lives. And the American church has become a very idolatrous organization. 
See, we put our families before God, our finances before God, our recreation before God, our politics before God, our power before God. And until we change that and deal with our sin of idolatry, we are going to continue to be an organization that dies and weakens and has no speak or say in our country with people anymore. We need to take this plank of idolatry that so many of us carry around in our eye and do what we can to pull it out. Sin in our lives is not the only thing that brings out God's righteous anger. He's bothered that his people are not living out the mission and calling that he has for us. See, the biggest thing that breaks God's heart is that in Mulberry, 59% of the population classifies themselves as nuns. That means they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. 59%. That means that every single day, people in this city, in this community that we live in, die and go into an eternity separated from Christ. And that is the thing that bothers God the most. His ultimate concern is with people spending an eternity in his presence and before him. And we've come to the place where that no longer bothers us anymore. We look around and we say, oh man, geez, I'm just, so many people are not in church. And, you know, so many people just aren't walking with God. And, but what am I to do about it? That's not what God wants our response to be. See, our response in those situations, in looking at where we are headed as a people and watching people slowly walk away from God, our response should be, what can I do to remedy the situation? What can I do to reach one more person? What can I do to make a difference in one more person's life? Because it angers God and it bothers God and it drives him insane that every single day people are dying separated from him. And God's also broken for the broken that live around us, for the hurting, the broken people that live all around us. We should be broken for them too. Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, that's what Jesus came for. It breaks his heart that when he looks out upon this world, he sees men and women and children walking around, living their lives in chains, held down and held prisoner by the sin and the addictions and the things of this life that hold so many people, and it breaks his heart. And he sent Jesus with a mission to give to us, and we have that same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, that anointing to proclaim good news to the poor, to freedom for those who are, who are bound up. He has given us that power and that presence, but we are not using it. And when we listen, when we read, when we spend time in God's Word, it should lead us to a place where we care so much about these things that break God's heart. And that's what the next section of chapter 1 is about. We are not just to hear God and what his word says, we are to listen to what it says. 
And this is a huge challenge for us as far as responsibility goes because when James wrote those words, they didn't have the Bible everywhere, okay? It wasn't like Christians had eight versions of the Bible. You know, you got four on your phone alone. Um, They had the Old Testament and whatever letters that Peter and Paul and, and James and these other guys wrote that made it to their church. But see, we live in a time where the Bible is readily accessible every single second of every single day on this little device right here. Many of us in this room have that YouVersion Bible app, and we go on it, and we'll, we'll go in, we'll be doing three or four studies at the same time in there. We're hearing a lot of God's word, and then if that's not enough, we're in church on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings. We've got podcasts of pastors and preachers that we listen to to get more of the word in us, and then we, we put, turn on Christian TV and we watch that, and um, then we have four or five Bibles at our house. We're in a small group every week to read and study the Bible, and that's a whole lot of word that we are hearing. And so the question is, are we listening to all of that word that's coming in to our lives? Because if we're not listening to it, but we are just hearing it, we are like the man or woman who looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like. Does anyone do that? You walk up to a mirror, you look in it, you walk away, you get out to the kitchen and you're like, oh dang, I forgot what I look like. And so you gotta head back into the kitchen or back into the the bathroom to look in the mirror again. I don't think we have that problem these days. As a matter of fact, we may be all too familiar with what we look like because the amount of selfies that people take and post on their social media feed communicates that not only do we know what we look like, but we really like what we look like because we want everyone else to see it too. What do we do when we go in front of a mirror? What's it there for? You know, we use it to, you know, to comb our hair. We use it to put on our makeup. We use it to make sure that uh, a shirt fits right. I always got to, uh, cer- certain shirts bother me. If you see me doing this, it's because I don't like the way the shirt fits. Um, so I'm trying to, I, so I'll like stand in front of a mirror and adjust the shirt and make sure that, that, that the shirt fits right. But we want to make sure that when we walk away from a mirror, we look as good as we possibly can, right? See, this is what the word of God is for in our life. So the word of God is a mirror that we look into every time we pull out that Bible app and do a study, every time we come into this place and hear Jesus speak to us through his word, every time we, uh, we, we open up our Bible and, and read something, and every time we hear a preacher on the TV or through a podcast or wherever else we listen to it at, every time we are doing that, we are pulling out a mirror and looking at it. And that mirror is supposed to reflect who we are and show us the flaws, the problems, the weaknesses, the issues that we have so that we can deal with them, so that we can be the best looking believer that we possibly can when we walk out those doors and we walk away from that word. This means when we look into it, it should challenge us. us. It should challenge what we believe and it should challenge the way we live our life. It should cause us to want to keep a tight rein on our tongue and the words that we say and the things that we speak. And it should challenge us to care for people and those that are hurting and broken, as well as point out the sin in our life. And when those things are happening in our lives, when we read the Word of God, 
When those things are going on, when we spend time in God's Word, then we know that we are listening to what God's Word has to say to us and not just hearing what it has to say. See, our challenge is that we have to listen. If we're going to take in that much Bible as we just talked about a few minutes ago, you better be ready to listen to all of that and not just do it for the sake of hearing the Word of God. You need to listen to it, let it do a work in your heart, let it do a work in your mind, let it move and work on these planks that we walk around sticking out of our eye. Get this, let that word speak to those planks and pull those planks out and do a work in us. Because the way we're going to make a difference in this world is if we are living that out, if we're dealing with our own planks, if we're showing the rest of the world that Jesus can make a difference in our lives, that he can get rid of these planks that we carry around, that he can make a difference to those who are hurting, to those who are wounded, to those who are broken. And that's what Jesus wants us to do and who he wants us to be. So where are we at? Where are you at when it comes to hearing the word of God? Are you allowing it to be the mirror that will allow you to take the speck out of your eye? Or are you not? Let's pray. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.